Welcome to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring you weekly sermons that uplift your soul, strengthen your spirit, and praise the Lord. Whatever your reason for listening, we're grateful for you spending your time with us. May God open your heart to love and your ears to hear. Good morning. Please remain standing if able. Our lesson this morning is from Isaiah chapter 49. Listen for the word of God. Our ears are open. Listen to me, O coastlands. Pay attention, you peoples from far away. The Lord called me before I was born. While I was in my mother's womb, he named me. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hands, hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. And he said to me, you are my servant, Israel, for I will be glorified. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing in vanity. Yet surely my cause is with the Lord and my reward, my God. And now the Lord says, who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him, for I am honored in the sight of the Lord. And my God has become my strength. He says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the survivors of Israel. I will give you the light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the redeemer of Israel and his holy one to one deeply despised, heard by the nations and slave of rulers. Kings shall see and stand up, princes, and they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. And now the gospel lesson from John chapter 1. The next day he saw Jesus coming towards him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, said, after me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he may be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, But the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, 
we have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of God. You are to be called Sapricius. Help with that one, Kate. (laughs) Which is translated Peter. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Please be seated. I always say when you don't know how to pronounce a word in the Bible, just to pronounce it confidently because nobody else knows either. So that's typically my advice. (laughs) So well done. (sighs) Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Do you ever get asked the question, who is God calling you to be? Where is God calling you to go? As a pastor, I get asked this question early and often, particularly the question, what is your call story? How did God work in your life where you ended up wearing a robe and a stole on Sunday morning? What's the story of how God was active in your life to get you to answer this call to ministry? It happens in your seminary application for grad school. You've got to answer the question, what's your call story? Uh, Throughout the ordination process, the many, many, many papers you have to write and interviews you have to go through, they ask, what is your call story? Uh, You meet with clergy peers and different kind of groups. That's often the first question that gets asked. Um, So those of us who are pastors get pretty pretty practiced um, in talking about our call story, and it just becomes a regular part of who we are and what we answer and what we do. I think sometimes I can take for granted what a privilege it is for people to ask me this question all the time, what a privilege it is to consider myself to be called by God on a path of discernment and listening and following, because implicit in this question, right, is the assumption that I am, in fact, called by God. People assume that preachers and priests and pastors have a call from God. But how often do you get asked this question, those of you who aren't pastors? How often does someone say, what's your call story? How is God working in your life to call you? I think as Christians, we often don't embrace this language of call. We don't use it in our daily interactions. You probably didn't greet your neighbor this morning during the moment of Christian fellowship by saying, how was your weekend? Are you going to watch the game tonight? Where do you think God may be calling you this week, this month, this year? It's not usually part of our self-description. We don't usually say, hi, my name is Carol. God calls me to be a mother. Or nice to meet you, I'm Joe, and lately I've felt called to compost my food and to become a vegan. Or my name's Susan, I'm from Alabama, and God has called me to be a teacher. I teach second grade in Fulton County schools. This kind of language is unusual. Sometimes it might even make us uncomfortable. For some, call language is off-putting. Some people maybe use it to their advantage to wound others. Or the language can sound a little bit smug and arrogant. 
It can feel like you're set apart, you're somehow more loved or more special in the eyes of God because you've got a clear call and you're talking about it and you're answering it. Or if you don't know what your call is, it can feel a little bit shameful that maybe you don't know, maybe God is calling other people and God's not calling you. But call language is all throughout Scripture. And we know that Scripture isn't just for pastors. It's speaking to all of us uh, who are followers of Christ. In fact, Scripture's clear, right, that all of us are ministers of the gospel, all of us. Some of us are called to live this out as pastors in local churches, but most of us aren't. Thanks be to God. If the world were only made up with pastors, we'd be in a lot of trouble. All of us have unique calls and unique gifts that contribute to who we are as people of God and our society and the world. Now, it can be hard to know exactly how we're called. A few of us get a phone call directly from God, right, that says, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what I want from your life. Although at the rate smartphones are improving, I'm hoping that one day there'll just be an app for it and we'll take all of our hard discernment work out of it. But until then, we got to do the hard work ourselves of listening, of paying attention to God. Both of our scripture today is that Donna read from Isaiah and from the Gospel of John are about God's call on people's lives, on our lives. We meet the prophet Isaiah who speaks of his call from God. At this time, the people of Israel were a people living in exile. They were forced out of their homeland for years and years away from their home and their roots and their family connections, their businesses. And now they're under the rule of a foreign government. They're forced to live under somebody else's laws and somebody else's religion. They start to feel pretty distant from God, and they lived a lot of their lives without hope. But in the midst of their estrangement, God begins to call the people of Israel to start to move forward. God calls a servant here in our text to proclaim good news, proclaim release to the captives, return to their homeland, Most importantly, reconciliation with God. The prophet proclaims the good news that God has never and will never let them go, no matter what. Now, each of our calls, our call stories, aren't going to be the same as what we find depicted here. We live in a very different context. But we can glean some insight into the nature of God's call and work in our own lives. First, I find it comforting that God makes it clear that God's call doesn't happen in a moment. God doesn't just pick up the phone and say one thing. God is actually shaping who we are and who we're uniquely called to be in the world before we are ever even born. The prophet says, The Lord called me before I was born, while I was in my mother's womb. God named me. God calls those particularly who might be on the margins and gives them some power. God calls us to care for and give voice to those who are on the margins. God says to the people in exile, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nations, the slave of rulers, king shall see and stand up, princes, and they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord, who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. God has chosen you. Scripture says, when the world despises and rejects you, you are God's beloved. 
And as we discern our own calls, we need to be aware that God raises those up who are rejected by the world. We gotta be listening not only for our calls, but the calls of other people. <clears throat> Finally, we learn from Isaiah that God's call isn't just for a select few or the chosen ones. This good news is for the whole world. The prophet says, yes, God, I will go. I will speak your good news, a reconciliation to all of Israel. But God says, my child, your scope is too small. For my good news of reconciliation, it's for the whole world. I will give you as a light to the nation so my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. Friends, God's call is before us, before we are even born. It doesn't come in a single moment or a single event. It's often for those who are rejected by the world to give us some new insight. And God's call is for all of us. In the Gospel of John, many years later, we meet a whole cast of characters who are also called by God to their unique ministries. We find Jesus at the very beginning of his ministry. We heard the baptism story last week from the Gospel of Matthew. In John's gospel that we heard today, there is no birth story. There's no explanation of Jesus's family connections. It starts right off with the baptism of Jesus as an adult. It's the beginning of his public ministry. As we know, John the Baptist spent lots of time baptizing people with water, preaching repentance and the forgiveness of sins. John baptized many, and John gained a lot of followers. But John was always careful to emphasize that he was not the Messiah. He was preparing people for the one who is coming, preparing them for the way of Jesus. And in our text today, John's message about the Messiah comes true. Jesus Christ is the Messiah, John says, the anointed one, the Lamb of God. John has witnessed his baptism. He wasn't baptized with water, he tells the crowd. He was baptized with the Holy Spirit. A dove actually descended from heaven. Jesus, he says, is the one you have been waiting for. He is the one who will take away the sins of the world. This is an incredible moment for the followers of John the Baptist. They've been baptized with water. They've listened to the scruffy street preacher declaim that the Messiah is indeed coming. And now he finally is there in their midst. Andrew has been a faithful follower of John. He was baptized with water, is walking down the street one day, ready to follow John to continue to help him with his baptisms. And he thinks it's going to be a day like any other day. John preaches, Andrew follows, they continue to wait for the Messiah. But today is not a day like any other. Andrew receives an invitation that will change his life forever. John, the man he trusts and follows, says to Andrew, look, pointing to Jesus, he says, look, this is the Lamb of God. Andrew's not one to waste time, so he quickly turns from following John to following Jesus. So he follows Jesus, anticipating some kind of invitation, anticipating some kind of call. What will he expect from this man? What will Jesus say? Surely, if you've got Jesus in front of you, right, the call will be clear and it will be direct and you will know exactly what you are supposed to do, where you are supposed to go. But Jesus doesn't tell Andrew what to expect. When Andrew asked Jesus where he was staying, who he was going to be, Jesus simply said, come and see. 
that's all we get. If I were Andrew, I'd be really frustrated. I think I would have begged for more information. Come where? See what? How? When? Why? What should I wear? But all I get is come and see. Fortunately, Andrew's a lot more patient than I am. He had a lot more faith. He just simply believed. And he not only accepted Jesus' invitation, but he went and he got his brother Simon, and he said, Simon, you got to come and see too. you got to be on this journey of following this man. So they came with Jesus. They saw him. They saw who he was. They remained with him even when they were confused and bewildered, even when things got really hard. And it was transformational for them. They trusted that the Spirit would be with them. They followed him without a guarantee of what their future lives were going to be like. What's your call story? Who is Jesus calling you to be? Where is Jesus calling you to go? The good news is we don't need every single detail lined up. In fact, I find out when I think that I've got all my details worked out right, God has other plans in mind pretty quickly. We just need to know that we are called by virtue of being created by God. God knows our names and calls us before we are even born. And we need to be bold enough to answer the invitation of Jesus to come and to see, to start to really see where God is at work in the world, how we uniquely can be part of it. At our staff meeting, we have staff meeting every other week, and the first question we always answer is, where have you seen God powerfully at work since we last met? It's just a practice to start to pay attention and to name it and to share it. One of my very favorite quotes comes from the pastor Frederick Beekner, who, reflecting on call, said this. He says, the place where God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. If you took the disciples' path class in the fall, we talked about this, we reflected on this question. Beekner acknowledges that there's a lot of need in the world, and it can be overwhelming if we start to think that God is calling us to meet it all, because there's no way we could possibly do that. What I love about this quote is Beekner says, we're to find the ways that God has gifted us with joy. What brings us joy? Where are our passions? Where are our gifts? What makes us get out of bed in the morning? And then we marry that with where we find need. So we're not going to meet at all, but God is calling us to do the thing that brings our hearts alive and also makes a difference in the world. It's a powerful question to reflect on. I invite you to do that. Discern where your deep gladness, what is your deep gladness, meets the world's deep hunger and need. That's a powerful way to start to discern where we might be called uniquely to give back. Tomorrow is, of course, the day that our nation sets aside to honor and to remember and to celebrate the life of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., someone who boldly answered the call on his life to come and to see Dr. King's work for justice was rooted deeply in his deep faith and commitment to following the call of Christ to work against oppression, for hospitality and love for all, particularly those on the margins. He was a minister of the gospel. He took that call quite seriously. He answered that invitation of Jesus to come and to be a follower. 
And we know the story of his life and his death and his legacy that remains with us, native son of Atlanta. We know what happened when he answered the invitation to follow Christ. But of course, Dr. King did not know what his path would be like when he answered that call. At the beginning of his discipleship, much like Andrew and Simon, he answered the call to come and see without knowing the specifics of where he would be going, what he would be doing. What he did know is that when he encountered Christ through scripture and preaching and study, when he discerned what gave him great joy and where the deep needs were in the world, he was transformed by the Holy Spirit and he saw the world differently. He came and he saw, he saw racism and poverty and violence. He saw the vision of Christ for a new way for the kingdom of God to come. So he called for integration and equity and peace. He didn't know what his life would bring, but he did know that he was called to follow Jesus every step of the way. Andrew and Simon didn't know what their lives would bring, what they would risk, where they would go. But they were transformed by the Spirit when they said, I will come and I will trust and I will see. This is the radical power of the call of Christ, the invitation to a new life, to a life that is transformed by the Spirit, and that is, trans that is called to transform the world in his name. As disciples, we're not going to know what this looks like, and it may change moment to moment, week to week, as we continue to discern, but our call is to be open, to have faith and trust, to come and see, to come and see where our deep gladness meets the world's deep need. We have to find out and begin. I want to close this morning with an excerpt from the great speech Dr. King gave at Riverside Church in New York City in April of 1967. It's entitled Beyond Vietnam. He's reflecting on winning the Nobel Peace Prize. He says, now let us begin. Now let us rededicate ourselves to the long and bitter but beautiful struggle for a new world. This is the calling of the sons and daughters of God and our brothers and sisters wait eagerly for our response. Shall we say the odds are too great? Shall we tell them the struggle is too hard? Will our message be that the forces of American life militate against their arrival as full men and women, and we send our deepest regrets? Or will there be another message of longing, of hope, of solidarity with their yearnings, of commitment to their cause, whatever the cost? The choice is ours. And though we might prefer it otherwise, we must choose in this critical moment of human history. May it be so, friends. May you know that you are called. May you know that God named you and chose you before you were born. May we all come and see so that we can transform the world in the name of Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. It's a gift, as always, to be in worship with you this morning. We hope that you will come back for worship next week right here at 11 a.m. and think about who you can invite. <clears throat> as you go forward this morning, go forward with this blessing. Leave this place knowing and believing that you are called by God. May we find out where our deep joy meets the world's deep hunger and may we follow Jesus Christ into that place to transform the world. Go forth with the peace of Christ. Amen. 
thank you for listening to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church podcast. We hope that you have found our podcast helpful and hope to be in ministry not only to you, but with you. For more information about Sandy Springs United Methodist Church, please visit www.ssumc.org. Until next time, may God bless you.